Welcome to this episode of the Greenville Oaks Message Broadcast. The mission of the Greenville Oaks Church is to inspire people to follow Jesus, because we're convinced that following Jesus is the best way of life possible. Find out more about Greenville Oaks at greenvilleoaks.org and connect with us on social media. We would love it if you could rate and review our podcast. It makes it easier for others to find us. And now, on to this week's message with Lead Minister Wade Hodges. I am not sure how I feel about all these kids having fun in church. (laughs) When did that start happening? I grew up going to church, and I remember my first memory of actually enjoying church was when I was 23 years old. And I was the one preaching at the time, and I was the only one who enjoyed it. It is good to be back with you all. Hello to everyone watching, listening online, everyone gathered here. Appreciate the opportunity I had to take several weeks and be away. It's always good for me to refresh and plan and and get ready for what I consider the coming preaching year, certainly fall and beyond. But I know the opportunity for you to hear different people is important too. You may may not feel like that after I've only been here a couple of months, but trust me, this time next year, you'll be like, we are so ready to hear somebody different. We might as well get in the habit of that already. Today, I am launching a new series entitled On Ramps and Intersections. And in this series, we'll be exploring what it means to be part of God's story. Another way to say that is this is a series about what it means to be a Christian. And while we are still very much in the process of getting to know one another as preacher and church, I also intend in this series to share with you several big ideas, concepts, thoughts, themes that are super important to me as a preacher. These are the messages that will keep coming up in my sermons over and over again. I have a preaching friend who says that we preachers, we've really only got five or six messages that we preach over and over and over again. We may disguise it by giving the series a creative title or by preaching from different texts in the Bible, but we keep coming back to these five or six main messages time and time again. And in this series, I'm putting my six messages on the table for you. Here's what I'm about. Here's what's important to me. Here's what I think is important for us to talk about over and over again. And so in this series, if I mention something and you think, whoa, didn't spend much time on that. I wish you would say more about that. Be careful what you wish for. I will return to it in due time. These first two weeks of the series, we're going to talk about the gospel from two different perspectives. Today, we'll talk about the gospel from above. This is the gospel from God's perspective, as best we can understand it. Next week, we'll talk about the gospel from our perspective. That's the gospel from below. But today, it's the gospel, the gospel story from above. And as I'm sure you already know, gospel literally means good news. And the word gospel is not an inherently religious word. It can refer to all kinds of good news. In the ancient world, gospel was used to announce when a general achieved a victory in a major battle, 
or when a king ascended to the throne. And sometimes those things happened at the same time. When a general won a major battle, he became the king. So hear the gospel of the new king, the new Caesar who has achieved a battle and defeated his enemies. That's gospel. It's an announcement of good news, hopefully, if it's a good king. Today, we sometimes use gospel to refer to how we will try to get our friends to like the same things we like. We enjoy something, we find something that's positive, and we share it with others. And so we share the gospel of whatever our latest thing is. We can share the gospel of Torchy's Tacos, the gospel of Stranger Things. We can share the gospel of the Roomba, which was on sale two weeks ago, Amazon Prime Day. Anyone else? get one of those, snag one. If not, get one the next time they go on deep discount. Hear from me, the gospel of Roomba. It's wonderful. But the way I'll use the word gospel in this series primarily has to do with the story the Bible tells. Because the Bible is telling a story from beginning to end. This big, grand story. And the story it tells is gospel. Because it's a story of good news. It's a good news story. And it's a good news story that begins with God. The opening line of the Bible, the first phrase, the first few words. In the beginning, God. It all begins with God. And this order is important. Because our natural tendency... So when we're trying to tell the gospel story is to begin with ourselves. To begin with our desires, our questions, our needs. And so we can't help but frame the gospel story as being the answer to the question, how does God fit into my life and what I'm doing? How can I recruit God to join me on my journey? How can I get God to answer my questions, to meet my needs, to satisfy my desires? How does God become a part of my story, the story I'm living? But that's not where the story begins. It begins with God. And when we begin the gospel story from God's perspective, it reframes the question away from how does God fit into my story? And instead, the question is, how does my life, how do I fit into God and what God is doing in the world? It's not, can I recruit God into my story? It's how is God recruiting us? How is God calling us? How is God involving us? in God's story. So today, let's approach the story from God's perspective, from above, as best we can as it's revealed in Scripture. My goal today is to summarize the entire plot of the Bible in less than 12 minutes. Somebody time me. What am I saying? You're already timing me. Let's just get on with it. My super simplified summary of the Bible it's broken down into three chapters. There is creation, redemption, and restoration. This covers it all. And the first chapter of the story is creation. In the beginning, God created. In, God creates. God makes. Out of nothing, God begins to make stuff. God creates the heavens and the earth. God creates all that we can see and all that we can't see without a microscope or a telescope. And what God creates 
is massive. It's bigger than our imaginations. As we're beginning to just get a hint from or a glimpse of how big it is from the images the Webb telescope is sending back. It's huge. We have no idea. It's big, bigger than us, always bigger than us. It's not only big, though, it's also good. At the end of Genesis 1, God surveys what God has created and says, this is, is very good, without qualification. This is, this is really, really good. And the crowning achievement of God's creation in the creation story at the beginning of Genesis are human beings, male and female. God creates them in God's image. God creates humanity in God's image to be God's representatives on the earth. To be created in the image of God is to be created with the ability to exercise God's authority and God's creativity in the world. To extend God's love and care in God's creation because God's creation project is motivated by love. Why does God create in the first place? Because God is love. And the love that God is, God shares. God makes room in creation for more love. God creates more beings, more things, more stuff that can receive God's love. It's all motivated by love. And to be created in the image of God is to be capable of love, loving God, but also loving each other. And so God creates humanity in God's image so that we can continue to love and care for all that God creates and loves. That we can oversee and steward and supervise and and create even more good things in God's good world. But part of God creating human beings out of love is God gives human beings freedom to choose the course and the direction of their lives. God's love is non-coercive, not forcing anything on anyone. From the very beginning, there was the freedom to choose. And humanity use their freedom to choose to live apart from God, to rebel against God, to not live under God's loving care. And in doing so, evil entered the world with sin and death. You read about this in Genesis 3. And in that moment, God's good world begins to fall apart. It messes up everything. What was once very good falls apart in a hurry. And God allows it to happen. You could say God is the creator. God is also the allower. And he will be the redeemer too. But before God redeems, God allows. And God allows those created in God's image to wreak havoc on creation. This is not to say that God doesn't care what happens in his world. He does. He sets a plan in motion to make what is going wrong in the world right, which brings us to the second chapter of the story. There's creation and then there's redemption. God sets in motion this plan to reverse the curse that comes upon creation because humanity cannot live in step with God. To undo the damage humanity is doing in the world. God has a plan and his plan 
is to strategically partner with specific human beings to bring blessings into the world. It starts with his partnership with Abraham. He says to Abraham, I'm going to use you and your family to bless the world. And God continues to partner with human beings. God is always partnering with human beings. From the very beginning, he's always creating, always calling, always partnering with human beings. He partners with Abraham and Abraham's family, and then he partners with a prophet named Moses who helps Israel, Abraham's family that becomes a nation, become a light to the world. He partners with kings like David and David's descendants who are called to bring more goodness and order into the world. And the purpose of all of this partnering is always to bless the world, to bring the world back in line with the will of God, to bless the nations of the world. Here's what God says to Abram as he's inviting him or calling him to be a part of this partnership. In Genesis 12, God says to Abram, who becomes Abraham, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great. And I will bless you and make you great for a purpose so that you will be a blessing. And ultimately so that all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. That's God's plan of redemption. But the plan, as you keep working through the story, the plan keeps getting derailed. God's intention to bless all of creation keeps going off course because God's human partners cannot be faithful to God. They cannot break free of their slavery to the forces of evil. They keep rebelling against their creator. They keep messing up. They cannot get it right. Another way of summarizing the Bible, simply this. People are unfaithful. And God loves them anyway. And will not give up on them. And so, in spite of humanity's perpetual unfaithfulness, God cannot find a suitable human partner who will uphold his or her end of the deal. He can't find one. So God, and I'm summarizing a lot here very quickly, God then enters creation, becomes flesh as Jesus of Nazareth, the Christ. God steps into the story to be the finally faithful human being. When God can't find another human being who can get it right, who can be faithful, who can do his will, God says, okay, I'll do it myself. And he becomes a human, Jesus of Nazareth, the Christ. And he does what no other human has ever been able to do. He overcomes and defeats the forces of evil and begins to restore the image of God in humanity. This is what God accomplishes through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Which leads us to the third chapter of the story. Restoration. So the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is the catalyst that sets in motion a chain reaction that is still ongoing. That someday will culminate in God healing completely and totally, restoring completely and totally all of creation. Whatever's not quite right now will be right someday. Whatever is fractured and broken and torn now will be healed and repaired and restored someday. Here's how one early Christian writer and preacher summarizes it in a letter to an early Christian church. This is Paul in Colossians. 
It says in Colossians 1, verse 19, it says, For God was pleased to have all of God's fullness dwell in Christ, and through Christ to reconcile to himself all things. All things. Not a few things, not some things, all things. Whether things on earth or things in heaven, include the things we can see and the things we can't. The big things and the small things, the microscopic things, the telescopic things, all of it. By making peace through his blood shed on the cross, the sacrificial love of God makes peace and brings all things in creation together. It's restoration. It's all coming back together. And we get hints of the end of the story. We're not there yet. We're still waiting for it. We're still hoping for it. But we get hints of the end of the story near the end of the Bible, where God's love transforms the world into a new heaven and a new earth. And some of this language I'm about to read is symbolic, but it's near the end of the Bible, at the end of the book of Revelation, Revelation 21, beginning of verse 1. It says, Therefore I saw a new heaven and a new earth, this new creation. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. Sea is symbolic of evil in a lot of Jewish literature. The evil's gone. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them, just as it was always intended. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order. The old brokenness of things has passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything, not some things, not a few things, all things. I'm making everything new. This, my friends, my brothers and sisters in Christ, this is the gospel from above. This is the big picture story of God's activity in the world from beginning to end, from creation through redemption to restoration. This is the gospel from above where God puts God's glory, all that makes God good, all that makes God beautiful, all that makes God holy, separate, different, better from us. All of it puts God's glory on display for the whole world to see. This is the story from above that allows God to be God, and to shine forth as God. This is the good news that causes the mountains to sing with joy and the trees to clap their hands and every created thing with a voice to shout hallelujah. The gospel from above is that God in Jesus Christ is putting his broken fractured, torn apart world together. And someday it will all be one and it will be glorious. This is God's work. And this is God's mission in the world. Not our mission. It's not our work. It's God who is doing it. Someone has said so well, the church doesn't have a mission. 
The mission of God has a church. We're not inviting God into our mission. God is calling us into God's mission, his mission, his dream, his work, his activity. And we as followers of Jesus are invited to be a part of it because God is always partnering with human beings. Always partnering with human beings. But in order for us to be helpful partners rather than harmful partners, God has some work to do in us. God has some work to do on us. And that's why we also have to look at the gospel from below, from our perspective. But that's next week. Today, though, let's ask God to open our eyes and to show us the world, show us the gospel from God's perspective, as much as we can handle, as much as we can tolerate, to see as God sees, to love as God loves, and to catch a glimpse of what it means when we say God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. To that end, let's stand. Let's read and pray out loud the Lord's Prayer together. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Go in peace. Have a great week. See you next time. Thank you so much for listening to the message from the Greenville Oaks message broadcast. We hope this message enriched your life and can help you inspire others to follow Jesus. Because we honestly believe following Him is the best way of life possible. Be sure to connect with us online on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube.